Welcome to a Bev with Stats. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. I hope that your blood pressure is low. I hope you're not in the midst of a social media argument or feeling terrible about yourself. This is a bed with Stev. I hope you haven't lost your rag today so far. I hope you're keeping things in check. Today's episode and this episode is with Dan Razza, who was on the show last year, and he's a great guest, great guy, great chemistry. That's always required, really, isn't it? There's not a lot of point in chatting to people that are going to make things worse at the moment, so chatting to Dan was nice. Zoom, I recommend it. You can record the conversation and the video. Don't need the video. Neither of us are into how we looked, and I think that's part of what we're talking about when we discuss live streamings of gigs on Facebook and Instagram and all the other things. We've both done it in the past week. We had a little text and sort of saw how we feel about it. I think it's quite an interesting subject. So we're talking about that. We're talking about how the world is, music, where we're living. You'll see, I suppose, the state of the beards. There's no pleasantries on the podcast here because I, 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 I spoke to him like a real human when we first... Uh, rang up and then you know there was some good jokes though in that I said I haven't had a beard for more than a week in my life and he thought I had a week's beard growth when really I've got about seven weeks so I am hairy but that would have been amazing I don't know what nutrient makes your hair grow but I'd have had a lot of it not washing your hair every single day is good as well isn't it but anyway please enjoy myself and Dan Rate the podcast, money, all of that stuff. See you on the other side. Bye. What have you been doing? What have I been doing during this time? I've been, uh, that's a good question, mate. I've been writing a lot, actually. I was trying to write a song a week, and I, was, I got off to a good start of it. You know, about, I didn't start from the very first week, but at two weeks in, I started writing again, because I hadn't written for over a year, because my head was so full up with these albums that I was getting ready for, and obviously they've all been uh, postponed now because of, of this uh, pandemic so um, yeah I just started to write again and build that muscle up and that was good and and I thought oh this is great I'm just going to write and then uh, the last song was a, was a bugger to finish and it's kind of thrown me a little bit off the track so yeah I've been doing that and I've been doing admin stuff. What are the two projects then so it's two different albums is it? Yeah two albums planned for this year so the last album as you probably remember was that uh, album two I made and that came out in 2017, I think. So I was kind of due some new records, which I had them planned for a good while. And yeah, they've they kind of gone down the drain for the moment. But they're two different. Are they just two groups of songs or are they like different projects? Of just is it? Could it be a double album? No, because I'm, I'm recording 
different people. Oh yeah. Uh, was going to be here in, in London, and and that was going to happen next month in May, and then the other yeah. album was going to happen in, in America in June. Really? Smashing yeah. it. No, but it's been cancelled, so what do you do? I know. It'll happen anyway. Well, me and Emily both had albums done and, well, mine's not done, hers is done. But now I'm writing another one as well. You said the country album, right? Yeah, I'm going to do a country album with Emily this time and be a bit less stupid. Because I've worked out that 80s is actually really a pain in the ass to do. It has to be more accomplished and more, you know, I think artists then did it to a click. There was loads of money and I think a lot of people as well just give it to someone to mix or master, which I need to do more, I think. But the band didn't want to do an 80s album either, the Milkshakes bands. <laughs> sort of kind what? of... Well, not really. It was like funny. It's supposed to be like Born in the USA. It's done anyway, but now I got laid off in my job in February and they, yeah. told, they told me it was going to happen. So what it meant is that I just stopped doing that album stop spending so it was like a blessing so um yeah. it's all worked out all right for me all of this because i'm like just don't mean to, i'm just like it's like a reset because i do sales jobs and i've worked yeah. out that i've just been running around doing these sales jobs and i've just been walking in the forests and parks here growing my beard walking like five or ten yeah. miles a day and just connecting back to earth man so it's been good for me. But, yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's so interesting hearing different people's responses. Um, yeah, I hear you on that. Now, for me, I kind of feel a little bit the same in that I've got the headspace now to write and I've got these albums to sort of frantically prepare for, you know, prepare the songs so I'm prepared mentally for. I haven't got any gigs, which, you know, to prepare for. So it has opened this big space for me to kind of pick up the pen again, which has been great. But yeah, I was planning on uh, hitting the road, so um, and you know, leaving London. So that's kind of been. Are you in an urban I, area? Have you got parks? I'm in, go and walk. Uh, well, I'm in Kilburn, so it's zone two. Mm. Um, I walk up to Hampstead quite a bit, to be honest. Oh, that's, that's my cool. kind of walk. Yeah, it's just about a twenty-five minute walk. Well, about a half an hour walk to Hampstead Heath, and that's about as good as you can get. Is it you know? packed? Is it? It is busy, but luckily it's such a huge. Hamza, he's so big, it's, it's not too bad. There a lot of people, especially when the weather's been good, you know, a lot of people sunbathing and kicking a ball, throwing a frisbee around. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone, though, because I've never seen a month so nice in England of the weather. And it's almost like if there would have been, the weather hadn't, because I went out yesterday walking miles and miles, people everywhere. Today, nothing, nobody. And, like, I'm sure there'd have been less deaths. If there was just, because yeah. people are coming right up to, because I had the virus as well. And people are coming right you had up it. to me. Yeah, I had it. And what's funny is that I had that. I, I hadn't been into London for about a week. I had this meeting, like the last meeting in my job, on the seventeenth, wow. and I had that with the guy that was my boss. And then I um, went to the pubs. It's St Patrick's Day, and had a pint of Guinness after. But I shook his hand, and that's it. And I went to the pub and I was like on the other side of the pub to anyone else. And I came back and the next couple of days I started getting these aches. Um, uh, and I had it for two or three weeks and I had no sense of taste or smell until about 10 days ago. Emily had it as well. well. So That's like what? you had aches and pains, you couldn't smell and taste. Yeah. Did it get worse than that? 
Or was it kind of, was it livable with? Just no, it's livable with. My okay. brain is complete, was completely on it. We watched the whole of the Tiger King shit. You know, I was, <laughs> but your what body was just out. And I, yeah, I'd started running like maybe two miles, not very far, like in the three days before, but I'd left the gym because of this. So I started running in the park instead. And I thought that aches were just because, oh, I'm actually running. Um, but then it was just like, no, the body was like shutting down. And, you know, it wasn't that bad though for me. Yeah. But as I say, I didn't go out for 10 days or something, but I just think that if less, if the weather wasn't so nice, people wouldn't have been mm. out and it's just, it's passing. And like Emily had it with a little bit less of the aches. Sometimes I reckon, mate, I'm, I don't know if you're the same, but I reckon I'm suffering without even knowing it. So I was like, oh yeah, I can't taste anything. <laughs> <laughs> or like, yeah. oh yeah, I've got a sore throat. I don't know. Yeah. But I felt like a... I'm in the twilight zone because the weather yeah. has been amazing. It's like being in yeah. LA. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it is crazy, mate. And you're right, the weather has just been... A blessing and a curse, isn't it? It's kind of lifted my spirits in the morning, waking up to this beautiful sunshine. But then, like you say, you kind of you do feel like a sort of need to stay at home as much as you can. So it's, it's tough. Mm. So you've done a gig. Let's talk about that. I had some questions because we both done it. I thought it was interesting that we were texting each other and going, "Yeah, I, I hated it." <laughs> I don't want to tarnish it though. I don't know if it's my disposition at the moment that I'm kind of. I'll try not to ask a five-minute question here, but I've got a bit nervous the past year doing a gig in a regular setting but this feels especially testing because you're doing nothing you're on your own and then suddenly you're in front of like could be a thousand people in in this yeah. position, you know what i mean so what were your what did you have you got a beer are you set yeah <laughs> I am what are you drinking nothing fancy make something from a sainsbury's ipa little this is good shit a little's good, man. If little wasn't so crazy busy in Audi, where I'd be going, the aisles are so small and they're so chock a block. It's not the place I want to be right now. And people so, are in Hunger Games mode, so they don't. Like I say, they'll be looking like something out of Mortal Kombat. They'll have this mask, but then they'll come right up to you, and I feel like going, "Mate, I've had the virus." So you did a gig. And uh, yeah. What did you want to do it? Because everybody's doing it, obviously. How do you feel about it? Um, so what happened? I, I have uh, my neighbours basically are very sensitive to sound, so that's why I didn't jump on it when everyone jumped onto it straight away. I've got to kind of watch out for noise. Uh, so I started off. My friends in Germany. I was meant to be doing a tour in Germany this month and next month. So my friends in Germany and the, the, the lady, Goody B, who uh, manages the tour and organises that, she uh, suggested, you know, in substitution of doing the tour, the tour start, uh, put together some videos, live videos from my last tour in Germany. And we did that as a live event because I was worried about noise, you get it? Um, and that was actually really nice. So they streamed on a live event these videos from, this tour and I was able to interact with people, you know, as they were watching it. And I did a little a spoken word intro to each of, of, of the songs I played, you know, and then she cut it up and put them. Oh, so this uh, wasn't completely live. This first one. No, it was like YouTube videos of my last tour, which were intercut with videos of me, uh, explaining where I was, what 
the gig was and what the song was about. And that was really nice. And then at the end of that event, uh, because it was so nice to connect with people and it was just such a lovely outpouring of, you know, connection. Uh, I said, oh, this has been fun. I'll, I'll just solve my neighbours and I'll do, a, I'll do something on my birthday, a proper live gig. What you saw, which was a couple of days ago. So that's how I did it. Um, that's how it came about. And then as it got towards that gig, I don't know, I couldn't get myself motivated for it for some reason. And then I didn't prepare for it. And whenever I don't prepare for a gig, inevitably I don't play the songs, you know, as good as they should be. And then I beat myself up. Yes. Like a vicious cycle. So really it's my fault. And yeah. I just felt, you know, I tuned in. People I didn't expect to tune in in some of the cases. And I was like, oh man, that was like, I kind of cocked up there. You know, why didn't I like, Yeah. You know, and it was just, I couldn't get myself motivated for it. I was like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm kind of in yeah. the right <laughs> mode. Exactly the perfectionist, yeah. right? I guess so. But also I think, that, that's one way, but it almost lets us off the hook a little, or it lets me off the hook a little bit. Yeah, I should yeah. prepare. And there's no excuse about it, you know what I mean? If I wanted to do those songs justice, I had to play them, you know, because I had a couple of requests before, and I hadn't played those songs in years, some of those songs. Yeah. So, you know, they were as ramshackle as you thought they'd be. You know, oh, not awful, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so the reason where... I did it is that when I sometimes come in, you know, and you sometimes come in and you just do a little gig to yourself or whatever. Sometimes I just do a load of songs, like six or seven songs. And I wanted it to be like that. It's just whatever I felt like doing. But if yeah. you're in the middle of it and it's like, no, I'm not feeling this. And I did just shut down the song. I was like, you know, so it's not, Yeah. it's weird. Cause it's not, there's so many things about it that are different. I wanted to do it cause yeah. I've done every type of gig I feel like. And, um, but you know the people when you see them pop up and go, this person's watching that you worked with yeah. in M&S when you were 17, or this person's watching that you met in Canada one night and you can't even remember a name or anything. So, like, there's people watching that would never come to a gig and it feels yeah. like they're watching out of some weird curiosity and it's easy for them. They're not on screen and, like, you're getting almost hit with these bits of information and then people are going are asking questions like, oh, why are you wearing that and all that? And it just feels like so much pressure to me. It Like, I don't know, I get a little bit self-conscious on stage in a gig, but this felt like a different thing, especially at the moment because we're not interacting with anyone. I don't know. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. I don't know how the best way to play it is. My mate, before I did it, he told me, oh, don't do one of those ones where you're like talking to the people who are messaging up and... Mm. Uh, Stuff like that. Actually, I kind of disagree a little bit with that now in retrospect. But then, and I also got sent a video of Springsteen doing it today, and yeah, obviously it was lovely. Actually, have you seen that? I've seen a bit of it, Land of Hope and Dreams, right? And um, yeah. I wanted to do it with Emily, obviously, because myself or Bruce Springsteen have the advantage of being married to a music person, and it's only people that are married to someone, and you know, so it's a it's a good musical thing because you've got two people. And so, yeah, I saw it and. I don't know why I turned it off. It's not that I'm busy. I, I was uh, maybe going out for a run or something. But for me, I did his one, obviously, and he had a beautiful performance. And it was he obviously was quite emotional because he was talking about I think the sort of emergency, you know, the nurses or whatever, and medical staff in New Jersey. And you can tell he was like visibly affected. But yeah, I don't know. It was like less. What I quite like about these videos now, I haven't done it myself. Maybe it's just empathy now. Uh, because I haven't done it myself, but like I like to see the people like fiddling with the on button, and then you know, Human. not really 
yeah, exactly. And they're not sure with this new medium and new technology. And with his, it had been edited together for a start, you know, yeah. and it was like, and it was, it was great. I love him and I love the song and I love the sentiment, but it was different. I kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it was, I like the kind of human thing of it, I think. And I like, you know, just popping someone comes up on you like, oh, that person from this bar in Canada or whatever. I don't know. I kind of, maybe it's boring for the listener. I don't know. But for me, I think that's the way if I, if and when I do it again, I do want it to be like human and about, I think it's more about connection now for me than about yeah. the actual self and how well I'm performing. It's more like, this is really a unique situation we're in. Like, like you say, we're not seeing each other and, it's almost, I want to make it less about me, I guess, next time I do it, and less pressure on myself, how am I doing, and more about, even if people are just tuning in out of curiosity, they, they tune in because they probably like you a little bit, or they don't hate you, otherwise they wouldn't have clicked on it, so it's about just kind of like, I don't know, just bringing some sort of normality, or taking their mind away from I think with me, they might have bought something different from me, though, i.e. being a comedy person, or just a work okay. person or i don't know yeah. or maybe that's my perception so your mind races about it and there's also yeah. the thing i'm very i'm always firmly pointing the finger at myself going is this just a narcissistic thing to do or whatever and i don't know we did a quiz as well which was more interactive where so i agree with you it should be interactive i don't think it should be like yeah look at me i'm amazing and it's like it's not a traditional performance there are positives though but i just feel like it was going this way anyway, and now it's just been a total eclipse of social media. You know what I mean? There is no real performance. There is no real arts. Kind of weird. I'm hoping it doesn't. Do you think it'll carry on after to this extent? Well, um, I can't see why it would do. I'm, I'm hoping. I who knows, but I'm hoping that the fact that people seem to so appreciate these moments of connection with like artists and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and grassroots artists like us, not just like the big guys like Springsteen or whoever and Steve L, but like mm. hopefully that they'll come out and come to more gigs, but uh, you know, and they'll appreciate that community, that sense of community and a shared experience. I don't know. I'm hoping mm. that'll be who knows. Mm. So, you're gonna do I mean, it again? I, yeah, I will. I, will, I probably won't do it loads of time because I, I, I want to prepare properly for it and I. But I also want to write songs. So for me, they're two separate hats and I don't find them easy to focus on two things at the same time. But yes, I will. I maybe in a, I want to do it before the people in America open up because it sounds like they're starting to open up now. So I kind of want my, I want, you know, you want the biggest audience of friends you can, uh, people in Italy and stuff like that because England's behind, isn't it? You know, yeah. open up a bit later. Did you so. feel, so is it, you had a big audience, yeah? I wasn't thinking about it too much at the time because I refused to look at the screen as I was singing. Me too. I hate. I hate this now. Looking at myself, I used to hate yeah, it. I, things. I, it's like I don't want to sing and look at myself for a start because it yep. would distract me. I don't want to yep. see people's comments because that would distract me. Yeah. And I'm already distracted anyway with my own thoughts. So like I don't need any more. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in terms of the numbers, you know, I was like, in between the songs, it was actually really nice to see, oh, that person from school's watching. That's like bizarre. And maybe they put a comment and, you know, people I haven't spoken to them I've seen for, for years. So that was actually quite nice. But uh, yeah, don't know what I'm Isn't saying. it more powerful though than in social media marketing and all that? It is more powerful than writing anything now, isn't it? It's like an event. It is changing with this, I think. It's not just, you know, 
as a, a musician, you're not just a musician anymore. You have to be a marketer and you have to be a videographer and you have to. So now it does feel like quite simple in that you can just go live and go, I've got a new album, have a look if yeah. you want. I think it's good for marketing, for the actual performance. I don't know. Because like you say, I, it's live and you, it can be there forever. Yeah. It's like, fuck. I know live music is live, but it feels like everyone's in the room. With this, it's like there's some invisible consumer person. It's kind of... I, we, we, if and when things go back to normal, God knows when that will be. But um, I can't imagine when someone goes live, there'll be so many people just clicking on their phones, you know, with that sort of empty... You know, a lot of us are waiting around, waiting for something to happen, aren't we, you know? It mm. just feels like more people will be inclined when they see Facebook and someone goes live to click play i think usually we've got you know we get we have long work days we're commuting the time we do get is quite precious you know mm. when we get home loved ones or you know then going out to a pub or to meet someone's less time just to say oh i'll see what they're doing live do you know what i mean mm. so in a way it's quite a precious window uh yeah i had an Still idea obviously. like 15 years ago for a for like this film or screenplay thing i was going to write about the internet going off worldwide and this was like in 2003 i had this idea and the longer life goes it's like that film now would be like a people would go crazy without <laughs> the internet <laughs> oh yeah you're so right i mean but it happened didn't it 1918 or whenever that spanish flu happened none of those poor sods had the internet no, you know ways of kind of alleviating boredom or stress or finding out information the internet was definitely provided a helpful service for a lot of people in terms of working out what the hell was happening when the government it felt like they were being quite evasive i said to myself about two days ago that i'm gonna quit social media for a week and it lasted about 12 hours how in what, what was the thing that kind of pulled on your sleep immediately? I don't think it's helping. That? Like, it was after I'd done my performance and I deleted it and I was like, right. But I'm doing these album covers every day. You know when you post your favourite albums? And mine, yeah, are you're, you're the, mine are the worst album covers I can find. <laughs> so I'm just trying to, But now I've obliged to do seven days of posting. And to do the posting, I have to have the app. So I have to download the app. And the Facebook app can apparently turn your phone off airplane mode and like bomb your family or whatever it can do. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching myself though. Cause I just, when I analyze what's going on, I'm like, well, that's not helping. That's not helping. Having five beers at home, watching Mad Men's not really working. So, um, <laughs> do you feel all right with the amount of social media that we're doing? Probably my question. Um, if you uh, don't, if you do though, it's fine. I mean, some people are arguing on Twitter about you know Trump and that all day, which is definitely not good. If you, uh, yeah, I'm not involved in too many threads. Uh, no, I, I don't do, contribute. I nah, uh, occasionally I will, but uh, no. And I, I go, I do go on it seven times a day, to be honest. But um, just, uh, I'm even terrible at replying to messages, text messages, WhatsApp messages, Facebook messages. For some reason. I'm just all for it, and I can't just blame it on this pandemic either. I've always, for some reason, anyway, this is a whole different conversation. Well, sometimes you're not ready, right? I don't know, to get into a conversation, because the way it goes now is that you're in a conversation on the WhatsApp. Like, WhatsApp yeah. is what Facebook was 10 years ago, where it's like, your actual friends you're on the WhatsApp with, and the Facebook is like a marketing thing. So, um, yeah, that's my view. Yeah, sometimes, from my perspective, it feels like sometimes you're not ready to get into a long-term chat. I don't know, but 
I, I do notice the um, the scrolling and this, but there's less consumerism. Like I saw yeah. a Costa cup today when I was walking in the fields, and I was like, "Wow, Costa!" I suppose you see it because you're in Kilburn, right? But like, I was in such no, a clamp of consumerism. It's been nice to be out here in the semi country and just see more cows and coffee cups. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder what happened to Evelina, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, she doesn't really exist, but there are a couple of people that could be that. Um, I know. It's stacked up. I hope they're getting furloughed, the girls from the coffee shops. Queen of Costa, man. She's got to get furloughed. Yeah. I never really drank in Costa. It just rhymed with the title. <laughs> I actually drank Cafe Nero. But did you? Yeah. yeah, if it was to be someone from Cafe Nero, it'd have to be some sort of... Miro is a men's name, isn't it? So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll rewrite so it. So when when you <laughs> are you planning on doing this uh, Facebook live? I've, I I don't know. I might do it once more and do like a greatest hits because I played a load of weird songs as well. But then it wasn't a yeah. good enough gig. But I don't know if I'm I'm not really a musician anymore. And I hadn't played without Emily for about ten years with an audience. Wow. So you know what I'm thinking of doing. The next one is um. Maybe like I thought about doing this for my radio show, like a self-indulgent episode, but like mm. learning how to play the first song I ever bought, you know. So yeah, actually, I think it was roll with it. But anyway, anyway, for some reason, for a long time, I always put <coughs> Suede's track the first song I ever bought. So you know, playing that on guitar, doing a cover of that, and then maybe you know, just doing a sort of little potted little landmark songs with other people's and then some of my own in between but you know doing a little bit, bit of a story in between about why i'm playing this song do you know what i mean rather than just like just playing, playing the evergreens yeah just make, make it a bit more interesting do you know what i mean the sort of uh giving a bit of a narrative to behind the video you know i'm playing this song because this is the first song i learned or you know i love this song yeah maybe that is your next gig maybe yeah maybe it will be full choices yeah, I think so, and a bit sort of left field as well as then doing what people's covers want as well. But I also find it difficult with the whole tipping culture. I, I don't still don't feel comfortable with that, although I could use the money. Mm. Um, funny one. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I didn't. I haven't done that because um, I just don't. It's getting to the point with the music industry where it's like, I mean, I have a PayPal. And I could do that, but I just don't want to pressure people to do that. I mean, what I've done the last few days yeah. is to save our venues thing, because I'd like there to be some music venues left when we come out. But um, I don't know. I don't think it can hurt to just put your PayPal there if you've got one. But yeah, I've, I was obviously in New York for a few years, and there's a lot of bartenders there that are doing the gigs every day, and they relied on tips and because you know, and now they're just not getting paid. So it's different for different people. I'm fortunate <laughs> I'm not needing it yeah it's a real stress i think that'll make the performance more of a stress as well money always gets in the way doesn't it money is definitely the primary yeah. evil that i can feel you know um, yeah so i don't know i haven't done it and i, I don't know if i'm going to be money based if this doesn't work out and you know we're going to try opening our bar um yeah if that doesn't work i'm going to go and work and sell glasses and I'm, good at talking that, I'm good at talking to strangers. So that's my plan. But, you know, you're a successful guy and you've met a lot of people in a way. So I would do it. I'm just a bit, I don't know. It's another thing to beat yourself up about if you didn't get any money from it. It's, it's an, do you know what I mean? If you don't even No, exactly. No. 
Yeah, I hear you, mate. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest, about that kind of thing. Yeah. We've been quite um, reflective, I think, though. So your idea might be good to do the first song I learned, the first song I bought, maybe, because everybody's thinking about their life. Do you think it's a good thing? You know, have you been doing that? Yeah. Reflecting. That's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't say like, um, I, I think I'm quite, I live on my own anyway. So, and you know, I don't. I'm not super sociable in terms of going out apart from gigs. So mm. not, probably not overly, mate. I mean, when I'm songwriting, I, I reflect quite a bit. You know, I do a lot of writing, uh, you know, writing separate from songwriting, you know, to kind of get my juices flowing on a subject. Oh, you just um, write? Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a form yeah, of just, therapy almost, though, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and uh, walking helps, doesn't it, to be thoughtful? So. Yeah, I've been in a right tears and I'll go walking and then I'll be all right. And I, I sometimes just get in a bit of a chat with myself in my mind. I've been thinking, actually, I don't know if I want to do that with my rest of my life. It's been like a big reset for me. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. That is so great. And what are you, are you listening to much music at the moment? Yeah, we're watching a lot of TV, a lot of podcasts. I, I love the Laura Marling album. Me and Emily just stopped everything and sat down and listened to all of it, just both of us with no other screens on or anything. I like the Fiona oh, Apple good. album that came out. Um, I'm in a Neil Young phase as well at the moment. What, what Neil Young? What I, listened, I was walking through these fields today and I, was, I put on Comes a Time because I was saying to the band in our WhatsApp group, that I want to do like a Comes a Time country, you know, Mahoney in the Moment album. And I was listening to it. I was yeah. Like, this is like one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. You know, the songwriting is. So, you know, these top tens. I think Comes a Time is my Neil Young album in the top ten. So, that album. I love it all apart from Motorcycle Mama. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's a bit of a red herring. Yeah. <laughs> it is a red herring, man. He couldn't resist throwing that one in, but yeah. Yeah, some of the songs. Are just unbelievable songwriting. So emotional. Already one I always loved. Mm. I think that's about his ex-wife, wasn't it? Carrie, and obviously they had a kid and then split up. Mm. Such a beautiful song. And the major seventh he goes to on the guitar, I just love it. Mm. And there's the song Lot of Love, which I was listening to, and I was yeah. like, wow, this is the anthem for right now. It's going to take a lot of love yeah. to change the way things are. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of love. We won't get yeah. too far. And I'm like, wow, this is perfect. So, yeah. yeah. It's going to take a lot of love to change the way things are. It's going to take a lot of love. We won't get too far. So if you look. Even That's comes the time, the title is, is quite uh, uh, of its time. Yeah, and I thought when I was yeah. listening to it that he recorded that album solo and then the band added the other bits. I it read wasn't that. to a click. So, you know, we're talking mm -hmm. about albums. We could, you know, it'd be very bold and probably a bit crazy, but it's almost like if you have a good enough mic at the moment, it's almost like you could just do it anyway, but I don't think, I, and that'd be cheaper. But that's how he did that album. I don't know why, but 
they were solo. But he's a solid player, isn't he, on the guitar? I'm not sure if I could uh, hold mm. it down as well as him without a click and then expect the band to follow that. Mm. Mm. What songs have he you been so listening to and, or albums or what have you been into? Um, I just discovered where it just was released and I've just been listening to it, a new album by a guy called Mark Kozlik. Do you know him? No. He was in a band called Red House Painters. Oh, I've heard and that. Then that. Yeah, and then it morphed into a band called Sun Kill Moon. Has he got a new album? Or... Got a new album out. I think you'd love it. To be honest, I, I thought for some reason you might find it inspiring or influential. You might not, because I'm always a bit reluctant to recommend people, things I love to people and expect them to love it as well, because mm. that's not the way taste always works. But mm. he's... He's super observational and rambling, and I think you'd appreciate that in his style. Um, yeah. So it goes from like being wry and funny, sarcastic, but then to very poignant, to very like uh, you know moments of real introspection and kind of like real kind of like moments of like oh my god, it's something like really profound. He said, and it's just a beautiful balancing act and. And this is all spoken word, this particular album. So, and it's just rambling, and it's just basically him on tour in Canada and just talking about where he's been, the conversations he's had, and how he got into an argument with the war on drugs when he was on stage, which escalated into a Twitter war. And it's, it's just brilliant, man. It's just so much fun to put on your headphones and just go out and uh, listen to on a walk. I was just like bursting out into laughter on my walk yesterday. It was brilliant. That does sound interesting. So he's not, it's not, it's spontaneous. He's making it up. Um, scripted. I, mean, I reckon he probably does script it a little bit, but you know, it's, it's free writing. And then he's got a great little band in this case, mostly real beautiful, like atmospheric piano music, really meditative music. And he's just kind of doing these musings over the top. And it's not too po-faced, which, for me, it's just like perfect for right now. Just somebody who can go from that moment of being profound, yeah. but then to something that's just like, it just makes you really laugh because, you know, I just love that. He's, that's just great. I, I recommend it. And the album's called something about Isaac Hayes in the title. I can't remember. And it's got a, a black and white picture of a boxing match. And his whole back catalogue, in my opinion, is fantastic. So if you do get into him, you're lucky because he's it's like discovering Bob Dylan or something. Really? You know, got some, well, I'm not necessarily comparing him to Dylan in terms of how good he is, but you yeah. know, there's a lot of albums that he's made. So if you do like him, you're in for a treat because it's just like you've got a whole treasure chest of stuff rather than just like one or two albums to... Is there a song I should play at the end of this by him then? I would say, yeah, but they're all like 10 or 13 minutes long, <laughs> songs. Um, I'm going to play one on my radio show. I'll tell you what one it is, and you might be interested in it. It's a song where he compares Asheville, where I was meant to be doing this album, in yeah. North Carolina to um, Nashville, which is a <clears> state <throat> along Tennessee. And the song's called Buffalo Valley Rest Area Smith County Welcome center and it's just great man it's i just love it it just like i say it makes me laugh and there's these moments of like real kind of like insight and sounds quite yeah. british sounds quite humor led yeah yeah, it yeah. Is, although there's another song where he like slags off britain so he's he, i just love him he just doesn't <laughs> care man he, there's no kind of like sacred cows i wouldn't you know i'd always be kind of careful about not alienating people but he just doesn't care and i just love that yeah, yeah. I've got, all right, I'll dig that out and I'll play some at the end. 
got that um, Marling album. I, I downloaded. I I've, I've listened to the first track and I wasn't uh, in the mood for it, but I will at yeah. some point. I'll put, I'll put it on properly and have a listen. Yeah, I just um, it's unbelievable. She's only thirty and she's done like ten albums or something, and I just think she's very consistent and very interesting. You know. Yeah, I was really impressed when I saw her. I only caught the last bit of it, but when I saw her supporting Neil Young at the O2, last time I saw Neil Young. Oh yeah, I was there. I was at that. I were you? She sounded great. She had that double bass player in the band. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and she has such a lot of confidence. And Emily met her about ten years ago at the Sidewalk Cafe open mic, and she was so timid she couldn't even look at anyone. Well, she was only eighteen or something. And wow. um, I think Emily got off with her manager or something like that. This is before I met her. And um, <laughs> but she played this sidewalk cafe open mic, and you know, full of these kind of New York songwriters are full of piss and vinegar and stuff. And she just completely bamboozled the room because she's an eighteen-year-old. You took out that money that your mama had saved. She told me she kept it for running away. Fortunes can change. You've picked up some tricks that you learned on your way. For fear you'd be lonely if you never changed. Oh my, you lost your faith. People say she's like Joni Mitchell, but I prefer her body of work to Joni Mitchell, which is a crazy thing to say, maybe. But yeah, it's, that's a great album. And Fiona Apple as well. That album's really interesting. Yeah. Really, really ballsy as well. I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer, that fancy wine won't put this fire out. Oh, kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up um, I'm going to listen to that. The other guy, I, I, I've been, well, I knew him already. I had a ticket to see him last month, but it got cancelled. This crisis was an Irish guy called David Keenan. Oh, yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's brilliant. He's got that kind of Waterboys, uh, Van Morrison quality, you know, real kind of epic. And Short back and sides Dinner plate eyes blown wide A pigeon-chested young man and brother Steps out of a tomb Of toxicity and ruin Spent his money on cheap wine Hold me, I am only a moment away Hold me, I am only a moment away The dogs on the street Sing your praise as the heat Saps the sweat from your skin The war is nearly done, man
I do this one, one, one cool thing that's kind of come out of this crisis actually or pandemic whatever you want to call it but, um, is I started doing a weekly online listening group oh yeah uh, yeah I've seen that yeah yeah which has been really nice so like we all kind of get together and listen to an album you know and sort of syn- synchronize syn- synchronicity at the same time anyway mm. and then come back and talk about it for half an hour and we pick a new album obviously every every week so we started off by doing lennon cohen's last album then we did the new dylan single which is almost the length of an album it's about yeah i heard minutes that long. that was good yeah yeah and then the last one we did was david keenan and uh, yeah it was great just to listen to it with no distractions and then talk about it afterwards it's like the old days you know when you used to get together and your mates room when you're teenagers and smoke pot and listen to what yeah doing. and actually listen but then it's talk bad. about it it's good they're doing it on twitter as well um you know uh, a guy from like a twitter called Britpop memories i think it is he stole my idea i was yeah. gonna sue him but, but then thought... tim burgess from the charlatans took the idea as well and as he know, knows not... all the Britpop musicians so he went hey um bonehead from oasis we're doing this or Summon Ocean Colour Scene bass player or whatever. So, yeah, I've done a couple of them. I've done a, an Oasis one and I did a Style Council one. Did interesting, good thing to do. I think they should do them at ten o'clock though, not at eight o'clock like now, because when people are having dinner and stuff. Like there, there was one the other day yeah. that I was like, I can't do it right now. Um, no, yeah, anything. No, it's, it's good that people. It's making be making people appreciate music again properly. But still, nobody's getting paid. But you know. Uh, I completely agree. Yeah, no, and I was kidding about them stealing the idea. Now, I, 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 there's, there's someone in LA also started doing a similar idea. It's, it's such a good, good thing mm. to like also community bring together exactly community and like you say mm. also just listening to albums because that's something I got. That's the reason I uh, thought of the idea just because I'd stop listening to albums in the way that they should be listened to. Good albums should be like they shouldn't just be like the background. They they can be, and it's not awful to be the background music to like you getting your clothes on or doing the washing up but if mm. they're really they're, they're, they're worthy of spending an hour with because you know it's worth it basically not just for the artist they don't just deserve it but you deserve it yourself to really appreciate it mm. I think that or reading a book for an hour or something is better than having an argument about being a Republican or whatever the hell people are doing you know agreement like, maybe people are realising but yeah. I hope so. And, and art kind of transcends those kind of binary things as well. Do you know what I mean? Usually yeah. there's truths within the best art that kind of join humanity, you know what I mean? Rather than divide us, it's kind of the stuff that we all recognize in ourselves, you know, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the profane and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, a recognition of what <laughs> makes us human. So, um, yeah, I agree with that, man. Rather than argue about where your flag's parked and where the other person's flag is parked, yeah. Mm, yeah all right well let's chat anytime i'm free just send me a text it's been good uh been great steve yeah do some music maybe at some point i don't know find a yeah. way to hang out and play some songs or something cool oh, mate. Yeah, steve Love you, Emily, right. man. yeah man take care good to chat you too brother good to be back in Asheville. I've played here three or four times in the past over at the Grey Eagle. I love that venue. I especially liked it when they served Cajun food. The cook was from New Orleans. 
I asked him once if the crawfish were fresh or frozen. He chuckled, turned his back on me, came back, set a half a dozen live crawfish on my table and watched them crawl around. He said, do they look fresh enough for you? He and I hit it off. We shared a mutual love for New Orleans and Southern food. As years passed, he eventually left the venue and the kitchen became something else, maybe Mexican food. They always treated us well at the Grey Eagle and I was loyal to them for years. But this time around, the Masonic Temple came up with a slightly better offer and I've got bills to pay. So here we are, and so far, so good. I never had a bad time in Asheville. People are friendly here. There's a holistic, homeopathic vibe, and everybody seems healthy and happy and good-natured. Everybody sort of glows. We went to Whole Foods today, and there was a trio playing outside. Two women on ukulele, and a guy playing the melodica. One of the women's names was Katie Sachs. We had a nice time talking to them, and she gave me her CD. I walked away from them thinking, not only did they sound good, but they glowed. Believe it or not, years back, I considered buying a house here. I was a lot younger. Someone was driving me around. I saw this big old beautiful house on the hill that had a for sale sign on it. I thought, I could probably live here. But then the tour went on, life went on. I ended up back where I started and where I still remain. My favorite place in the world, California. I've lived there for 32 years, but who knows? I may buy a getaway home here at some point. So there's Asheville, and then there's Nashville. Two very different places. I've had some good shows in Nashville, but I've always felt that the city wants people to believe it's something that it's not. Okay, so Jack White bought a house there, but to me, it's still the capital of country music, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there seems to be this overcompensation going on. Every time I talk to people in Nashville, they keep telling me how progressive the city is getting, how cool it is, like they're trying to sell me a used car or something, or more like a used car with a bobcat in the backseat that they promise won't bite. In my mind, if a city is something, you should be able to visit the place and see and feel the vibe without it being explained to you. So I went walking after my show in Nashville last night, and some guy was selling hot dogs in the corner, listening to a country song with a chorus that went, drink a beer. Then I'm walking down the street, and from the balcony of a bar, drunks are throwing buckets of ice on people's heads as they walk past. And I thought, yeah, this city's a little shinier than it used to be, a little glossier, sure, but I completely get why Kid Rock calls this place home. Like I said, I've always had good shows there. I have a close friend who lives an hour outside of Nashville. His grandmother was like a grandmother to me. Two of my grandparents passed before I was born, the other two when I was around seven or eight. I always stayed in my friend's grandmother's spare room when playing Nashville. Her house was quiet and set back in a quiet cul-de-sac. Her name was Dorothy. She died in 2016 at 96 years old. She loved me, and I loved her. She cooked me breakfast. And when I was away, she'd always ask her grandson, how's Mark doing? 
You know the cover of Ghost of the Great Highway? She gave me that photo. She gave me a shoebox full of photos one day and said, pick a photo and keep whatever you want. I picked that one. She had no idea who the girl was in the photo, but guessed by the shoes that the photo was taken at the turn of the century. But anyhow, last night in Nashville, we played this chain place called City Winery. Nice staff, a good sound man, and a nice grand piano. When I walked out on stage, barely anybody clapped. And I looked down, I saw this couple at a table gorging on french fries. I thought, when Nick Cave walks on stage, are people eating french fries in his front row? Did that happen to Elvis? I know I'm not that heavy a hitter, but I was thinking, my God, can you please show a little bit of respect? I gotta sing for two and a half hours and listen to a couple in the front row crunching their french fries and smell the greasy fucking things while I'm singing. The thing is, I didn't just think it, I said it. As the show went on, at least a half a dozen waitresses were walking around and taking people's orders while I'm singing songs about my father, who's on life alert, tribute songs to my mother and to Ohio, and songs addressing gun violence. Within five minutes of being on that stage, it occurred to me that I'm not a dinner theater artist, and that the city winery is one of the worst things to happen to music since Kenny G. Chris and Scott and I gave it our all, but when we finish a song, the audience applause is about as loud as the sound of somebody shaking a pepper shaker. So I started giving the audience shit, telling them that they didn't understand music. It wasn't verse, bridge, chorus, guitar solo, verse, bridge, chorus, chorus. And I said it just like that, with a strong redneck accent. That didn't go over well. You know why? Because it was true. The truth hurts. It was a young man in the front row who told me he was in Nashville studying music business. So I invited him up to the stage and asked him to explain music business to me and the audience. He got up on the mic and took the opportunity to plug his EP that's on Spotify. People laughed and so did I. I said, man, nice plug, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you to tell me what's going on in the music business. He told everybody, well, I don't really know. There's a new music venue in Nashville that lets you park for free. I said, that's all you got? A kid could sing, though. I'll give him that. He duetted on a couple of songs, and man, he could really sing. He was landing phrases on these beautiful, unpredictable notes that I'd never come up with myself. I can't put my finger on it, but since my earliest days of going to Nashville, that place to me has been in a perpetual state of an identity crisis. At the end of the day, the audience didn't get me, and I didn't get them, but that's okay. I picked up my check, and I got the fuck out of there. On the drive from Nashville to here, Chris and I were discussing why the audience was so lackluster. Chris has a scientific mind, and he said, Well, Mark, you have to understand, when people are sitting down, drinking beer, and eating macaroni and cheese, it has a set of effect on them. It makes them sleepy and requires too much effort for them to raise their hands and clap. As we drove further, we ended up at this rest area called Buffalo Valley Rest Area Smith County Welcome Center in the Smoky Mountains. I'm working on a photo book about the decline of the payphone and asked the guy working there if there were any payphones around. 
It was the most well-kept rest area I'd ever been to. He said, well, we don't have payphones anymore, but I can show you the pads where they used to be. One's 30 yards north, and the other's about 30 yards south. I'd be happy to walk you over there and show them to you, my friend. I said, well, that would be great. We walked to both of them, and he showed me these large oblong cement things in the ground called pads where payphones used to be. I took a few photos and said, this will be great for my payphone book. I got photos of payphones from all over the world, South America, Asia, Australia, Europe, the USA, and Canada. He asked, do you mind if I ask you, how are you funding all this, my friend? I said, I'm a musician. Music takes me all over the world. I played Nashville last night. I'm on my way to Asheville for another show. He said, well, what kind of music do you play? He said, well, on this tour, I've got a pianist and a drummer, and I'm singing. It's sort of melancholic, but with some humor, a combination of me singing and doing some spoken word. He said, well, my friend, this is a little over my head. I said, well, you're not alone. It was over the heads of about 80% of our national audience last night. He said, well, that's the thing about art. Some people are going to get it, some won't. I said, man, I'm 52 years old. I've been doing this for 27 years. You just summed up art in one sentence better than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. He said, well, my friend, I hope you have a better time in Asheville. In this book of yours, it sounds real interesting. You're a unique fellow, and I've enjoyed talking with you. I said, same to you, my friend. And I shook his hand and complimented him on the cleanliness of the rest area. He said, well, we do our best. On the way back from Whole Foods today, we crossed the French Broad River, and I saw a big mural that said, Stay Weird, and I thought, I love this place. 